Hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and education politics. I'm Kevin Richard. I'm Clark Corbin. Heavy emphasis this week on education politics because now that the legislature is for real out of town, we start to look very closely at the elections, which are coming right up. May 15th is going to be upon us faster than we think, and we're, we're starting to focus our coverage now on elections, so we're going to focus our podcast talking a little bit about these elections and why they are so wide open and hard to handicap. Yeah, let's break down just a few of the races and, and let our listeners know that what we'll be paying attention to and what races we'll be covering over the next six or so weeks. But uh, Kevin, you mentioned it's an important year in Idaho. These are important elections starting with the May 15th primary and continuing into November. But you talked about the wide open nature of these races and, and, and there will be definite changes in leadership and state government at several levels uh, by this time next year. Uh, what are some of the races that you are watching and what do you mean when you say they're, they're wide open? Well, I think when you look at the three or four races that we're going to watch most closely, uh, the governor's race, the state superintendent's race, first congressional district race, the lieutenant governor's race, you have three of these four races have no incumbent. Uh, only the state superintendent's race has an incumbent seeking re-election. You have, in several of these races, you have multiple candidates. I mean, we're talking about seven candidates on the Republican side in the first CD six candidates for lieutenant governor in the Republican primary, even in the governor's race, where you only have three big-name candidates. You have three big-name candidates that are, have pretty well carved up, it would look like, uh, pieces of the constituency, pieces of the Republican Party uh, voter block, uh, to where it, it feels like a very wide-open race where, where none of these are easy races to handicap. You know, the other thing that makes these races a little bit... Uh, interesting and a little bit more difficult to handicap is that uh, this time around, unlike what we've seen in previous election cycles, you have really potentially competitive races on the Democratic side in, in the Democratic primary, especially in governor. Yeah. You, you have a, a legitimate governor's primary on the Democratic side with uh, A.J. Belukov and Paul F. Jordan. What that will tend to do is, you know, there's always been this talk, there's always been this trying to quantify how much crossover vote you have in a primary, independents or Democrats voting in a Republican primary, that's maybe less likely to occur simply because Democrats are going to perhaps want to weigh in on, on the gubernatorial race. So that makes it an even more volatile race. It may kind of affect the turnout overall in these elections. And we're talking about low turnout primaries. As much attention as we in the media pay to these May primaries and as much attention as pundits pay Voters don't pay a lot of attention. I mean, these tend to be, you know, 25 to 30 percent voter turnout in these primaries. And even though there's been a lot of advertising and a lot of uh, talk surrounding these elections, I, I wouldn't expect huge turnout. Yeah, and we, we've talked about the closed Republican primaries in the state of Idaho before, but we were talking just before we started the podcast about how that makes it really difficult. All these factors that you mentioned kind of conspire together to make it really difficult to identify a favorite in at least three of those races, right? Right. I mean, I, I guess as we get closer to the primary, one of the things that I was get <laughs> invited to do, um, the Boise Metro Chamber tries to get several of us pundits together a few days before the election, and they encourage us to make predictions. So I guess at some point I'll make predictions that are bound to go wrong, but I, I can't do that today because we're still, even though we're barely a month away from these primaries, you know, 
I couldn't guess at this point who the front runner would be among these six candidates for lieutenant governor. No. They all seem to have their own potential niche within the voter electorate. Several of them have some name recognition, have served in the legislature, are known at least regionally uh, within the Republican Party. But none have ever run statewide, so none of them are really widely known statewide. Uh, you've got geographic, uh, you know, you've got a geographic mix. You've got uh, Bob Nonini in North Idaho. You've got uh, Marv Hagedorn in the Treasure Valley. You've got several candidates in Eastern Idaho. I mean, it's really hard to handicap who's got uh, an inside track. The congressional race, the first congressional district primary, is the same thing where you've got seven candidates and, and really no obvious front runner. Uh, Russ Fulcher has run statewide, so. He may have a little bit more name ID across the district, but these, again, you know, low turnout, you know, kind of, kind of primaries. I mean, the last time we had a really wide open first congressional district primary on the Republican side, uh, that was when Bill Sally was nominated in 2006. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Fewer than 19,000 votes. That's all it took for, for him to get that nomination. Yeah, we may be looking at similar numbers come May 15th. And, you know, one thing that I don't think we do as reporters very well, and maybe it's just a hard story to get, is the story of how campaigns try to get their their voters out in these wide open, low turnout kind of races. I mean, that feels like kind of the dark art of, uh, of winning elections. I think that's really where a lot of the battle is going to be won or lost between now and May 15th. These campaigns trying to figure out, okay, who, who are my people? Yeah. What's my niche? Right. Where can I get some of those twenty, thirty thousand votes that I'm going to need to to win this primary? It, it becomes a lot of like direct mail, robocalls, or you know, old fashioned retail, retail politics. politics. Right. I mean, it could be a lot of different things that have very little to do with um, putting out press releases, getting free media coverage. May not have as much to do with uh, how you perform in debates or candidate forums on the Republican side. It might not have as much to do with how you go over, uh, how you're perceived at the Lincoln days. I mean, it's it's such a, a hard bunch of races to handicap, which will make it interesting to watch. And it'll make it fun on election night for us. But we were talking just before we started with these crowded fields, particularly in first congressional and in the lieutenant governor's race, particularly on the Republican sides, we could see somebody with 18% of the vote, 14% of the vote, uh, getting the nomination, and oftentimes... Uh, in Idaho, that, that's enough for the Republican to win the nomination in the primary uh, and then to go on to win the general in November. And so the primaries do absolutely matter. Oh, yeah. These are extremely important primaries. And, you know, they will be decided by a fairly small number of voters, a fairly uh, you know, narrow uh, section of the overall electorate. But, uh, you know, it, it makes it really, you know, again, interesting to watch but hard to handicap. One of those races, though, is a little bit less crowded, the governor's race. We've talked about that a little bit. That heated up a little bit uh, this week. There were some hurt feelings and uh, some kind of attacks that went back and forth. You, you, you were at an interesting press conference earlier this week, right, yeah, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, on Thursday, Raul Labrador, Congressman Labrador, had a, a news conference, and it was a very pointed and very uh, you know, now, emotional response to some advertising that has been taken out attacking uh, Labrador and his congressional record. Uh, 
it was uh, advertising that was done by APAC supporting Tommy Alquist, uh, the Boise businessman and physician who's running in this race. Uh, a lot of money that this pack has raised, uh, this uh, Idaho First pack is about $261,000 that they raised in 2017. A lot of it comes from uh, Tommy Alquist's father. A lot of it, full disclosure, comes from uh, J.B. Scott, who is uh, chairman of the board of the Albertson Foundation, which funds Idaho Education News. The ads, uh, they're very hard-hitting, and Labrador is contending that they're, they're flat-out inaccurate. They, the claim in the ads is that um, Labrador has not gotten any legislation through Congress in his uh, four terms. Uh, Labrador comes back and says he has uh, gotten, gotten some bills passed. Uh, Cynthia Sewell, the Idaho statesman, kind of broke it down. Uh, three bills that uh, Congressman Labrador sponsored, kind of his lead sponsor, did become law. So a lot, you, you see this in every election. You see a lot of uh, you know, back and forth and claims and counterclaims. Uh, this one felt really personal. Yeah. I mean, I've watched uh, Congressman Labrador from his time in the legislature. Um, I don't think I've ever seen him quite as visibly angry uh, as he was um, but I think there's also, you know, beyond the anger and the, the, the claims and the counterclaims over his uh, legislative record, there was also the subtext of Labrador trying to claim, uh, to stake the claim to the Trump vote, yeah. which I think you're going to see play out in a lot of these races. Um, one of the speakers at his uh, at his news conference on Thursday was Skip Brandt, who's been a longtime Trump supporter, who is saying that now. You know, Congressman Labrador has been on Trump's side on health care. On you know, yeah, you know, he's he's been a Trump loyalist for a long time. When when Tommy Alquist was not, Alquist has really tried to claim that Trump uh, that Trump cachet in this race to some degree. He's kind of tried to paint himself as a, an outsider, a businessman who's trying to uh, you know, run for for elected office. So I think you're going to see that in a lot of races. You know, which campaign on the Republican side tries to embrace that, that Trump brand. And, and to what degree is that Trump brand a good thing to embrace or not? I mean, Idaho is a Republican state. How Trump Republican is the state in 2018, uh, more than a year into the Trump presidency? That's hard to tell. That's another one of these you know variables that makes this race hard to handicap. Yeah, we knew from the beginning when we saw the names line up for the gubernatorial race, uh, particularly on the Republican side, we knew there was going to be a lot of money involved in this race, and we knew it was going to be a hard-fought race. We are certainly seeing that bear out, and I expect that to continue for the next six weeks, maybe even ratchet up to, to another level. Mm -hmm. um, it'll be interesting. Let's so, shift gears, though. Um, but, but one of the things that we're going to try to okay, do yeah. is, uh, beyond all of the you know, the fire and fury that you right. see during the yeah, campaign yeah. is to try to break these down on some issues. I, I wrote a story this week that uh, you can see it at oednews.org, and you can download the candidates' responses, too. I, I tried to get the five candidates for governor, the main five candidates for governor, uh, to weigh in about school safety, about the student protests that we've seen these past few weeks. And like I say, we've made all of their responses available in full. This was helpful because this really showed some differences between the candidates that I think people can really look at and see where they differ. And, 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 and that's not always the case. Uh, 
But in this one, there were, right? Right. There were some differences that weren't too surprising. You know, the the candidates broke down along party lines when you asked about uh, the issue of arming teachers, which is already allowed under state law. But, uh, you know, some some folks in the Republican Party, starting with President Trump, have, have really pointed to the idea of arming teachers as a potential uh, way to address uh, school safety. Uh, Republicans generally uh, support it, although, you know, you know, to varying degrees, and, and Lieutenant Governor Brad Little talks about, well, we should still keep this optional as it is right now. Um, Republicans support the idea of, of more armed school staff. Democrats aren't as sold about that as a solution. You ask about gun control, uh, the Democratic candidates are saying, you know, we, we do need to strike some balance here with, with gun control. Uh, Republicans aren't uh, embracing that idea at all. That really didn't surprise me, but what did surprise yeah. me was when I asked uh, Brad Little about the student demonstrations that we've seen these past few weeks. And he said, well, I wasn't at the State House for either of these uh, demonstrations. But what struck me and what I've heard and what I believe is that uh, this student demonstration had a role in passing a school safety bill this year, the one we talked about a lot these past few weeks that... uh, allows prosecutors to go after online threats, right. uh, threats uh, leveled at schools over social media channels. They had said that was basically a loophole up until this point. Right, right. I mean, this was probably the most um, uh, high-profile school safety bill that we saw uh, proposed this session and passed this session. Yeah. And Lieutenant Governor Little is saying, you know, I, I think the students had a role in getting that through. Good for them. Um, Tommy Alquist, when he turned in his responses, and, and several of the candidates turned in email responses, which which we have, again, in full. He talked about how he thought that the student demonstrators were misguided and that uh, there were, the students weren't differentiating between symptoms and causes uh, of the safety issue. So a lot more of a critical view of what these student protests are all about. And, you know, Alquist really went down the road that we've heard other uh, others go down and saying that this uh, protest has been you know, co-opted by uh, adults with special interests. So a lot different view of the student demonstrations uh, between those two candidates. That struck me as surprising and significant. Yeah. Uh, you can go back to IdahoEdNews.org and find that story from just the other day uh, talking about the gubernatorial candidates uh, weighing in on some school safety issues. And, and I think that that's good. We want to cover sort of, uh, we don't want to cover the horse race and the politics back and forth as much as give voters an idea of where they stand on the issues that matter to education and matter to them. Uh, and, and so that's what we're trying to do with a right. lot of these races, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody's going to vote in these primaries. Yeah. And, and not many people do, unfortunately, but uh, it does kind of underscore that your vote counts. Um, however you vote, whichever primary you vote in, um, get informed between now and May 15th and, and make your voice heard. And what we're going to try to do these next few weeks is, is help you get more familiar with where these candidates stand, what they would do if elected, so that you can make your own decision about who, who aligns with your beliefs and, and your values. You're spending time uh, with the state superintendent candidates working on some profiles. Uh, I, I, 
you're not going to steal your own thunder, but you can give us a sense that you're you're getting out with these candidates to see what makes them tick. Yeah, that's really my focus uh, this month is to spend some time with each of the four candidates that are running for superintendent of public instruction. Just a reminder, uh, if you're kind of new to the race, we have incumbent Republican superintendent of public instruction, Sherry Ybarra, just finishing up her first term. She's running for a second term. She has a Republican challenger in the May 15th primary. That's Jeff Dillon, the superintendent of the Wilder School District uh, out in, uh, kind of out by the Oregon border. Oregon border. Uh, And then there are two Democrats that are going to be running against each other. Uh, Alan Humble uh, is running, and then Cindy Wilson, a teacher from Capitol High School, is running. And so you've got a choice both on the Republican side and the Democratic side. And I thought one thing that would be fun uh, to sort of liven up my coverage of this race would be to basically shadow these candidates mm-hmm. uh, for, I, you know, not a week by any means, but for for most of a day. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm doing this week and next week is I'm reaching out to each of the four candidates. Uh, when it's possible, I'm going to be shadowing them at work, shadowing them on the road, and talking a little bit about their experience and what they bring to the race and why they're running. But to actually get in there and spend some time with them, not just sit down with them in my office and go through 20 rapid-fire questions, but to actually kind of watch them at work and, and, and see what makes them tick and how they interact with other people. And so I think that that will be really fun. I started that just the other day. I have more appointments lined up for next week. And then later in April, over the last two weeks in April, we will break uh, those out and publish those uh, probably one right after another uh, so that everybody will get a chance to look at those four profiles heading into uh, the primary season. And basically, at that point, you'll have a couple of weeks to go through it and get to know the candidates uh, a little bit. And so I'm really going to be out of the office and, and, and with these candidates over the next you know, week or so and getting to know them. And I look forward to that. And then I'll be back in the office, do some writing and some reporting, and we'll get those published over the last two weeks of April. We also have some candidate questionnaires that we're going to be going out. And our intention will be just to run the responses from the candidates verbatim, let our readers take a look at those and decide for themselves uh, what they think. So that will sort of be a chance to see the candidates in their own words. But even before that, Kevin, we teased it last week. But for months now, we've really been hard at work on getting together a candidate forum for the superintendent of public instruction candidates. And we have uh, some details about that coming up next week and how our readers and listeners uh, can participate in that. But a big event coming up next Tuesday night. Uh, There's two ways that folks can watch. It's going to be at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time next Tuesday. That is April 10th. And... So far, three of the four superintendent of public instruction candidates have agreed to participate in our forum. Uh, We're going to see Cindy Wilson and Alan Humble on the Democratic side, and we are going to see Jeff Dillon on the Republican side. We've also invited superintendent of public instruction Sherry Ybarra to participate in the event. She has not indicated that she will be participating Uh, But I want to let you know that she is fully welcome uh, to come and will be fully included in the forum if she is able to make it. And we are hoping uh, that she will be able to make it or that her schedule will perhaps change or open up slightly. Um, But there's two ways. There has been a scheduling issue. Uh, She will be in eastern Idaho in the Magic Valley next week uh, for post-legislative session meetings with with superintendents. We tried to come up with a date that seemed to work for, for everybody. 
the Abara camp. You know, we, we tried to work on a date. Um, they ruled out the 10th, so that's kind of where we stand right now. We were trying to get something later, uh, couldn't really come up with a date. Uh, they really didn't come back with a, a plan B date. So we've, we're, we're proceeding with April 10th. We hope, you know, obviously if, if Superintendent Barra shows up on the 10th, we will, we will create space. We will, we will make sure that she's got a, a place at the podium because we want to hear from all four candidates. But I'm looking forward to hearing from the three candidates that we do have confirmed. And I'm really kind of looking forward to you know, seeing, seeing them field a bunch of different questions from a, a really diverse panel. That's one of the things that's going to be cool about this forum. Clark, you're on the panel, but you're not alone. Right. One of the things that we tried to do differently with this panel is we're including a public school teacher, uh, Lauren Bailey, and we're including a public school high school student, Zach Crandall. And we met with them earlier this week, and they actually helped us develop the questions, and they're going to be asking the questions on Tuesday. And that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about this forum is that it's going to be about students and educators, and they're going to have a voice in this. And they literally sat down with us and came up with questions that they'll be asking on Tuesday night. I think that's cool. I think people are going to like that. And we're also going to, uh, taking a little bit of a page out of the City Club's playbook, we're going to look for questions uh, from the audience during the event as well. But I want to invite our listeners uh, to participate in this forum on Tuesday night, and there's two ways to do it. If you live in the Boise area or the Treasure Valley area, the event's going to take place uh, physically at the Special Events Center attached to Boise State University's Student Union Building. Uh, it'll be at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. That's Mountain Time. Uh, good seats are still be uh, good seats are right. still yeah, available. It's a very large venue, <laughs> and we'll have plenty of room. But so we'd hope you know if you're interested in seeing it first uh, firsthand. Please come. It's free. It's open to the public. Uh, if you're a, a teacher or part of a, a, a school group, we would love to have you out there. Any parents, uh, obviously taxpayers, anybody at all, uh, we would love to have out there. And there's plenty of room. Uh, there will be tons of parking in the Lincoln Garage available. Uh, but it's free to participate and to attend the event. It starts right at 6. It'll go for about 75 minutes. You'll be able to hear from a teacher, from a student. Kevin, you and I will be participating in the forum, but we want to reach folks outside of Boise, and we are working with, we are partnering up with Boise State University and also Boise State Public Radio, and we're going to be broadcasting this forum live on social media on Tuesday night through the Idaho Education News Facebook page. If you're on Facebook uh, right now, if you want to head over uh, and find Idaho Education News on Facebook, give us a like, and then come back uh, Tuesday evening. We have an event invitation there, and if you uh, click that you're interested in the invitation, you can come back Tuesday evening just before 6 o'clock, and you'll see the feed go live. You can watch it. You can ask questions through Facebook, and uh, we're really excited about that. And then some of the highlights from the forum will be broadcast uh, later before the primary on Boise State Public Radio over right. the air, right? Right, and, and I believe we'll take the, the full feed and put it on our YouTube page yep. afterwards, so a lot of different ways to to check out the event on Tuesday or after Tuesday. But uh, again, a good chance to hear from the candidates, a chance to see them firsthand if you're in the Treasure Valley. A lot of debates are uh, are televised, but uh, they're not open to the public, so you can see uh, see the candidates uh, uh, firsthand. You'll have the opportunity to do that on Tuesday, or you can watch over Facebook or over, over YouTube. Yep. 
any way you do it, I hope you uh, make some time to, uh, to check this out. Uh, it's going to be a good chance to get to hear from these candidates. Yeah, we've put a lot of time and, and work into it. We're excited about it. Our whole goal is to give uh, the taxpayers, give the voters a little bit of idea of who these candidates are and where they stand on the issues to help them make an informed decision on May 15th. Really looking forward to that. want to invite all of our listeners uh, out there on Tuesday night to either attend in person or check it out on Facebook Live. I think that covers kind of everything we wanted to lay out with sort of the next six weeks with our election coverage and our focus on the primaries. That's really how we will be spending our time mm -hmm. over the next six weeks. But we did have uh, some big news stories this week, and I just want to go through a couple of headlines. We talked about one already, Kevin, and that was your coverage, uh, your your reaching out to the gubernatorial candidates to talk about school safety issues. Right. We have the school safety story, and again, you can look at that story in full, see the candidates' responses in full. Devin Bodkin, our Eastern Idaho reporter, had a story about bullying numbers in Idaho schools. The latest round of numbers that schools report to the state as far as bullying incidents, the numbers are up. They're still fairly low, but they don't really sync with what uh, the state has gotten from student surveys, which uh, indicate that the problem may be much more serious than the reported incidents. Devin does a good job of breaking all of that down and helping you understand what's what here, what these numbers mean. Um, so check that story out. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got coverage of what it may take in terms of continued funding to, to, to carry out the rest of the uh, recommendations from the K-12 task force. A new study came out that said that uh, the price tag is still $120 million of unmet need, at least. And we on top that, of the 100 million new uh, investment, on, on top of what was already put in these past few years, so uh, we've got that story. We've got that study available for you to download. So a lot of good stuff at idahoednews.org. The State Board of Education just announced the hire of two university presidents yes. this week on Thursday. Idaho State University and Lewis Clark State College have new presidents that will be starting over the summer. If you want to get to know them a little bit, uh, Devin had a story come out on Thursday introducing you to the new presidents and kind of walking you backwards just a little bit through uh, that search and that hiring process. Right. So that kind of wraps you up from, from this week. Next week, we will have a lot of stuff coming at idahoednews.org. We'll have full coverage from our forum, of course. Uh, we also expect a new round of numbers. Uh, these are some test score numbers that are closely watched all across the country. These are the NAEP scores, uh, National Assessment of Educational Progress. What's interesting about these scores is that this is a chance to see kind of how Idaho stacks up in math and reading compared to other states. Those numbers will drop bright and early Tuesday morning. The, the embargo lifts, and we will have uh, full coverage of that. And obviously, with the election barely a month away, we will be... Uh, following that closely, and we'll have all of the latest developments there. All right. We'll be staying busy. I know it's going to be a busy time for us, uh, but it'll also be interesting, and it's important work. So I'm looking forward to spending these next six weeks with you getting ready for the primary election. I think that catches us up with everything from this week. As always, I want to thank so, everybody so much for listening. We have a lot of fun on the Extra Credit Podcast, and we really enjoy it. So thanks so much for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.